first like 10 minutes of every recording, I have a whole bunch of background, and then it just disappears Quiets all of a out. sudden. I just your why. side? Yeah. That's weird. I get rid of it, but it's weird. It is. All right. Hey, folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic things. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense, folks. Welcome. And we got all kinds of stuff going on in the news. Crazy thing. It's kind of a sad day for Americans right now, but um, we're we're not going to focus on that. We've got... Yeah, we'll set that aside for now. I think we've got a really cool show coming up, and we hope Mm -hmm. to make it a series, which... If every time we do it, it it comes to what happened this time, it's going to end up being like a 60-part series, because I keep finding more and more stuff to dig into. (laughs) You know what? History is like that. And by the way, the series we're talking about is the history of the United States. You know, I've been thinking about what to name this, and I I almost think the miracle of the United States, because... Yeah, that that would not be inappropriate. There's many times when this country just shouldn't exist, and we just kept existing, and we kept mm-hmm. winning. Yeah, yeah. But we were we were talking about how to begin this, and it was my contention that America itself derived out of the first 13 colonies, which came from England, and so we're going right. to start with the English colonies. Yeah. And yeah. that would be, we're not going to count, even though Jamestown was uh, in 1607, uh, the Mayflower didn't arrive till 1620. 20-something, yeah. Yeah, 1620. But we're going to count uh, Plymouth as the first colony because Jamestown was kind of a dismal failure for most of the first part of the history. Um, but... Before we get to the Mayflower, we got to kind of set the stage. And in England. In England and in America. Right. So I'm going to start with America cuz it there's kind of a there's kind of a build up here that leads to Plymouth and it's pretty interesting. Um I I know, you know, most people, even me, kind of I kind of romanticize about the Indians and their way of life and it's easy to think of them as this uh group of people who are at one with nature and in, in harmony with each other and it's just not the case they kind of were like the the noble sav there was a there was a whole literary um kind of thought movement that kind of idolized not i i d y l idol idolized oh, this concept yeah. of the the noble savage sort of thing that taken out of society man would naturally become this noble creature almost kind of like a uh a, except for the fact that he was alone kind of like i think that's where the tarzan stories grew out of um yeah at, at least the the tarzan's you know the the movies that you watch on tv the, the johnny weissmuller type tarzan i don't know if the original stories were like that or not but um right. but yeah peep peep they're yeah, I mean, we, we, and, and I do it too. I have fun, you know, when I think about the, you know, oh yeah, the Indians, I go, you know, and, and you kind of think of them in that context. Yeah. But it, it wasn't the case. There were, there were huge tribes. Some of them covered, you know, say half of the United States or at least a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would, they fought with each other just like they did in the, in the white man's. Just did. like European countries did. Yeah. Yeah. 
And they dominated each other. And then, you know, a lot of time they would take each other's slaves. They would mm-hmm. kill each other. They would take each other's women. And, you know, if they, uh, there were situations where like the Iroquois, uh, had a Iroquois Confederacy, which was comprised of, uh, five different tribes and, they joined together in order to dominate the other tribes. And they took over almost half of North America, uh, even driving the Shawnee out of the Ohio Valley um, until I think it was like the uh, late 1600s. Uh, they were finally defeated and all those other tribes started to filter back into these areas. But by then, the white man had a pretty heavy presence and so there were other wars to fight but um you know when a when a tribe conquered another tribe a lot of times they say yeah you can live here but you got to pay tribute uh taxes you know i mean this is very similar uh folks to if uh, if you read histories of um the kinds of things that were you know the way things existed uh in greece and rome and um, and the various territories that were conquered by the Greeks and then after that by the Romans, um, pre-Christianity, the, the picture's not dissimilar. Yeah. yeah. And of course, uh, you know, the, I, that Iroquois Confederacy, they, the reason they dominated is because they were the first to really establish trade with the French and the British and they found out they could trade for guns and steel because, uh, okay. and they had superior weapons and, uh, they got organized and, uh, that's how they conquered everyone. But so, so the, the, the modern charge that, oh, the white man, what they did was inflict disease and misery on the Indian people. What, what the white man really did, at least initially, is to inflict the Iroquois on the rest of the Indians <laughs> by providing right. them with weapons. Right. A pretty huge portion of them but uh, you know with it came diseases you Mm -hmm. got two groups of people on opposite sides of the ocean and they're not experiencing each other's diseases they don't have the antibodies built up and so they're they're gonna trade and and that's kind of leads us into uh what happens in massachusetts uh that area was uh Controlled by the Narragansetts. Um, this is an I'm Indian gonna, tribe? Yeah, it was a pretty okay. big tribe. Um, uh-huh. They allowed the Wampanoags. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's a, it's I'm okay going to mispronounce a lot of these tribes. Just, but just up front. Wampanoags. Pre-apology, we're going to butcher names. We do not speak the language. We'll do our best. It's, yeah. it's not out of, it's not out of disrespect. We're going to do our best, but. We're going to butcher names. But you hear the Wampanoags, uh, they're actually... Okay, the Wampanoags are on the eastern uh, shore there, but the uh, Narragansetts are in control. So the Wampanoags have to pay tribute to the Narragansetts. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point in time, some Europeans come. I don't even know if they're English or Spanish. But, uh, they were, they did go to war with one of these Wampanoag tribes and okay. 
they took a uh, prisoner named Tisquantum, and they take him back to Europe. Uh, after they leave, what they leave is a plague, and it destroys 50% of the whole Indian uh, population along the eastern coast. Okay, I mean, it, so... it just wiped out huge numbers of people. Okay. And now, what... Let's frame this. What 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 year are we, uh, or what range of years are we talking about? I believe we're talking like maybe the late sixteen, or I'm sorry, late fifteen, the, the late fifteen hundreds. Okay, so uh, so late sixteenth century. This is this is maybe even early sixteen hundreds. Okay, but a couple decades because, before the Mayflower. Right. So we're leading because oh, Quantum yeah, comes back. Mm-hmm. He he somehow gains his freedom in Europe. He spends a little bit of time as a sheep shipbuilder, okay. but he eventually makes it back to America, and he goes back to his village, which was Patuxet. Patuxet okay. is empty. Everybody's dead from that plague that they had left. The, the, so yeah, yeah. he uh, joins another tribe of uh, Wampanoags uh, under the what was his now look look. This plague you're talking about, this is only a plague to the the North American Indian populations. It's not, it's it's not even a sickness to Europeans, or is this an actual plague that was in Europe as well? I don't know. I don't think it. Here's the thing: there are so many plagues throughout Europe that it's hard to even connect the two. You know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, but. We do know that just a huge number of Native Americans are dead because of it, almost half, and not that many people, white people, are dead because of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he goes back to the right. Wampanoags, and he joins the a tribe there with the chief uh, Manassuit. I think it's Manassuit. Um, mm-hmm. this, this guy, we know him as Squanto. So he's back in his tribe with the Manassuit, with Manassuit, with the Wampanoags, and we put that, we'll set that story back a little bit because, or on a on a back table for a few because we're going to come back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of the pond in England, right? Okay. Um, we've got. It's kind of hard for most people to to even envision something like this, but let's say. Okay, we're raised in Shiviet. We go to St. Martin's Church. Every yeah. Sunday we go to Mass. Yep. We go to the school. We're a Catholic yep. family. Right. Let's say one day we go up there and we want to go to Mass and the priest is like, oh, we're not Catholic anymore. We're Lutheran. And it's like, oh, what? Yeah. Well, the, yeah, that, the president <clears throat> changed and we're, we're now Lutheran or some other kind of Presbyterian, anything. Mm-hmm. But imagine a church where the state controls what kind of church it is. Right. That's the situation that they're living in. And yeah. the churches are changing all over the place because it always depends on who's in charge. And it's controlled by the state, not by the church. This is a huge reason for separation between church and state because the churches right. can't worship the way they want. To, um, to place it, this is, this is, we're, we're talking about like, Within the first century of the um, Protestant Reformation or the Protestant Revolt in England, right? 
they kept changing back and forth. I, it depended yeah, on the who. I think it, it was a yeah. The you, you had Henry the Eighth, and then and then you had the backlash on a Mary Tudor, and and so forth. Yeah, the religion. This is what you would call was, organized religion, right? Um, a guy named William Bradford, who was somewhat wealthy, or I, he had property in the start, but by the time he was twelve, he's an orphan. And he goes to his uncle's farm to live, and uh, he's living there on this farm, and he finds this church that's 12 miles away from his home, and it's a group of people who have rejected all this organized religion, all this getting Mm -hmm. up every day, coming to a new church. Uh, (laughs) It's a group of people who read the Bible, pray, and that's the religion. That's it. Uh, There's no real creed. They just... Uh, get the Bible and they pray and they're called Puritans because in their minds they're purifying what should have been there the whole time. Right. Now we could have all kinds of religious discussion around that, uh, but yeah, but this we don't need to do are. that. It's uh, and, and within this context of the state, uh, if you know, if you look at it from the ground level, it's exactly like you described. We go in one day and, you know, yesterday we're Catholic. Oh, today we're Lutheran. It's like you're being jerked back and forth by the state controlling something that is supposed to be, you know, kind of based on the rock of ages. It's supposed to be immovable. Right. The pure, the, the people who came up with the Puritan response, like you said, we could have all kinds of, of religious discussions to describe why they're wrong, but it's not an unreasonable response to the circumstances of the time. Right. I, I think they're it's saying, important well, to point that out. You know, Protestant, Catholic, Presbyterian, whatever. I don't care. You guys do yeah. what you want. We're just going to pray. Bible? Pray. Yeah, exactly. And that's what they do. He's going to this church every week that's 12 miles away. That's a heck of a walk. <laughs> but uh, yeah. he joins the group, and he kind of grows up in their group. He gets married, and eventually these people in this group, uh, this is in Boston, um, England. I think it's like north of London. Okay. And it's kind of a rural setting. They're, they're country folk. Um, they decide, hey, let's get together where – some of these people had – had family members and friends who have been put to death by the British government for worshiping the way they want to worship. There's no freedom of religion here. You have to, you get charged for not going to church. You get taxed. And if you don't pay that, you go to prison. Um, And they come up with the idea, let's escape to Holland where we can start our own little community. And it really is an escape. You can't just get up and leave a province because uh, I don't quite understand the economic system, but you're tied to the land. You can't just leave. Maybe you have to get it paid off. I don't, I don't quite know how it works. I once um, read a – this was like you know high school, okay? So obviously things are very simplified. Yeah. Um, but I read a – description of this is this would have been more uh, of of the european feudalism this would have been i think a little bit maybe earlier middle ages but maybe in this time and i thought it was a little bit more 
French than English, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but but the idea was that yeah that that um, it's almost as though I mean even those like you know the the serfs may have had control over the land and they were responsible for it and farmed it and that kind of stuff. But the description I heard or read was that it was more like the land owned the people. Yeah. And it was just the way it was. Now, obviously, like I said, this was kind of like a, a, you know, a high school summary, uh, trying to give a feel of the sense of, of what it was like then. So obviously it's a huge simplification right. of how things were, but, but it, you know, when you're saying that, it kind of triggered that memory. Yeah. Well, the fact is they can't just pick up and leave, but right. that's what they right. try to do. Mm-hmm. They, all these families together meet and start heading towards Holland where they're mm-hmm. going to start their community. And they're, you see a bunch of people like that traveling down the road with all their belongings, you know, something's up <laughs> and they yeah. get arrested. Um, they all, all are, all, all of the men are arrested. The women are let go. The women go back home. And finally, the men are let out. Most of them. I think a couple of the leaders stayed in jail for a couple of years before they finally get out and go back home. And they start planning again. As soon as they get back home, we got to get to Holland. So they make their second attempt was a little bit different. The women go, uh, by boat, uh, over the rivers to get to a certain meeting uh, spot. The men go out and try to find a ship that will take them all to Holland. They find this Dutch uh, captain who who agrees to take them. Mm-hmm. So the men get on this ship, and they, they're at sea. They are off the coast where they're supposed to meet with these women. The women have come in uh, to wait for the men, and now they need to get out to sea. Only the tide's coming in instead of going out, so they can't. They have to wait. They're in a situation where the men can actually see the women oh, uh, uh-huh. from this ship. And they also see down the road a bunch of armed guards coming for the women. And they can't do anything about it. And the, the captain says, look, I'm, if I get caught, they'll take my ship and they'll take all everything I own. So I'm sorry, we got to leave. So the men have to leave the women there and make their way to Holland. Um, and the women all get arrested again. <clears throat> now, here's here's one of those things like you, you got to figure you can't help but see the hand of God here. That ship, as soon as they sail out, suddenly they're hit with a storm. Um, and they're swept all the way out to the, uh, where was it, to uh, to the Norwegian coast. Okay, um, so... so- their their destination here is Holland. Yeah. Uh and they get swept all the way up to Norway. Right. I mean that that's like, you know, that's like a, entirely across the North Sea. Okay. Well, I'm glad you know, saw, know that because I never actually looked at this on a map. Um the thing is that during this storm the crew of the ship gave up control of the ship and came down underneath with the passengers. And they said, we don't know what to say. This ship is going to sink. And they had given up. They had just given up. So they're all at the bottom of this boat. And 
William Bradford being one of them, uh, mm-hmm. says, no, we're not giving up like that. We're going to pray. So they all pray, even the uh, crew, some of the crew members. And somehow or other, they make it through. Most of the ships that were out at that time sank. Oh, wow. Okay. But they made it. And they go to Holland. And this time, they're a little bit smarter about it. They filter in two or three at a time to collect their women and their belongings and go back to Holland. So so, so they went back to the original rally point on the English coast to no. collect the women? Or this is in no. Holland? No, the captain wouldn't go back there. So they go okay. to Holland okay. and start setting up what they were going to do. Meanwhile, a few at a time, they go back to their original homes oh, in take, Boston. Oh, take other ships back to England, collect or the over women, land. and then... Or, okay. well, it's you, not as suspicious to... when you don't have a giant group of people walking along, you know? You have a well, couple yeah. of families, it's not a big deal. But to get from Holland to... Boston, England, or anywhere in England, you at least That's quite have a to journey. cross. Well, you at least have to cross the English Channel. There's, there's no land okay. route. So I guess, across, I, yeah. So I guess they have to be taking or ships whatever. or ferries or something. Yeah. But this is over a matter of years. They mm-hmm. finally get everybody in Holland. So Holland is kind of now the, the base of this Puritan movement. Yeah. And this is their promised land. They're going to start this community in Holland. But Holland is nothing like Boston was. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a really heavy city. And they're coming from the country. They don't know the language. None of them really have a... Most of them were farmers, so they don't really have a trade. Uh, And they're with a bunch of people who are not even... Some of whom aren't even Christian. Um, So, yeah, yeah. So, by the way, sure uh, we've Colin, all, if you're a Catholic, my, you've been around, huh? Well, hold on. I, I want to see if I can nail this down a little bit more. To, to my mind, and maybe I'm wrong here, Holland is is what the is like a country. It's like it's the Netherlands. What used to be uh, the Netherlands used to be called Holland. I thought. Um, um, is is there a specific city in Holland then that, or is or do I have it wrong? Because I thought. Uh, the name of Holland is also frequently used informally to refer to refer to the whole country of the Netherlands. So this is a city in the Netherlands, in uh, close to Amsterdam. Okay. Okay. So and and in this, terms of they might metropolitan, actually be in it's, Amsterdam. It's probably Amsterdam because that would have been a huge city. Yeah. I mean, and and I yeah, j- just to give you an idea, folks. I mean, New York, which like is our huge city um, mm-hmm. was actually called New Amsterdam at first. Yeah, that's right. It was. So they go there. They've got kind of the crappiest jobs. They're not making much money, but they, they kind of slowly get a foothold there. Um, William Bradford himself, I think he worked. And after a couple of years, he was able to buy his own shop and, uh, they're just slowly kind of becoming part of Holland. Um, mm-hmm. And they get together and realize they don't like this. Because, okay. first of all, their their children are losing their English identity. The right. kids are growing up Dutch instead of uh, English. And I guess, I don't know if they had those gay haircuts and the wooden shoes or if 
but oh yeah, <laughs> they're uh, growing up. Yeah. A lot of them aren't even learning the English language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also the fact that there's there's talk of war coming to England or coming to all of Europe over religion. So here again, they're looking at the fighting between the Protestants and the Catholics, and they don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Um, so they get together and they say, let's go to the New World. Uh, okay. By this time, England has England tried to start a few colonies in America, but nothing that really took hold. Uh, the only other one that's still going is in Jamestown, and... The only way that they kept it going was by just pushing more and more people into it. Uh-huh. For example, from 1609 to 1610, at the beginning, there were 500 people there. And by the end of uh, 1610, there are 60 people there. Oh, wow. And by the time uh, this group is deciding to go to America, uh, 8,000 people had migrated to this colony. And there were still only a thousand people living there. So lots of people going there and, and either what dying or coming back? Uh, a lot of them dying, most of them dying, some of them coming back. Wow. Not only that, but there are talks of Spain, uh, attacking Jamestown. Um, that was rumored. And I, I think there were, I'm not sure. I think there might have been actual attempts at it, but. The problem with the English colonies is that they're looking at, there's two different models for starting a colony in the Americas. You've got mm-hmm. the Spanish kind, who the conquistadors. They come on ships, and they're attacking kind of a, I wouldn't say a civilized people, they're, they're advanced. Enough to know right. how to uh, make gold and silver. They don't know how to make hard metal, so the metal's not in their weaponry yet, but... Okay. They've got a lot of gold. And the Spanish come and they conquer those people and then take their land, take their gold, and that's how they make money. Uh, mm-hmm. The French more usually kind of set up trading posts so that they could uh, trade mostly beaver fur with the oh, okay. Indians. And right. that's how they made money. Huh. Uh, they, they would also get things like lumber and stuff like that, but... They're, they're mostly trading with the Indians for those, uh, um, natural resources. The English, I guess they thought they would do what the Spanish do. And they come to North America and build a fort, but they don't plant any farms. And then suddenly they're starving because these people don't have a bunch of gold. The no. North American Indians just kind of, they had what was on their backs. That's pretty much it. A As opposed to farmers, the like the the Mesoamerican Indians, which which had the more mountainous gold mining areas and stuff like yeah. that. Okay, okay. Um, so they, you know, Jamestown kind of went about it the wrong way. They sent a bunch of young, able-bodied men, and and then they got there and they said, "Oh, okay, we got a fort," but then they just sat there and starved to death. That's what was going on. This is why it's going to be so different. Because instead of a bunch of military-type men, you've got families. Yeah, men, yeah, women, children. Um, and they want to go there and start a family. Uh, there's different ways to do it, but it's like buying a ship, which is originally what they wanted to do. I mean, think of 
think of you and the members of your church want to do something like this. It's like, let's buy an apartment complex with a hundred apartments. That's the kind of oh, economic yeah. it, it, feat yeah, that it was going to take. They just couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's, they, it's, it's just impossible for a right. bunch of poor people. I mean, they, some of them have got some wealth, but none of them are rich. Mm-hmm. But they do put everything together. They do get one boat called the Speedwell. Speedwell. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They get the Speedwell, and then they talk to a guy named Weston who says, I'll get some investors from, I think it's called, I think it was the Virginia Land Company or something like that. It was, will, yeah, and it was actually, the, the name was even Virginia a little more something. interesting that, than that. Um, and I think they're actually behind the Jamestown uh, colony as well. But they uh, they agreed to pay uh, these people, pay, pay for a ship to take them to the New World. And, you know, in turn, all the products that they make in the New World is going to come back to the Virginia Land Company. They all set off, and then the speedwell starts taking in water, and they have to turn around again. And they've all got to p- pile into the Mayflower, which yeah, only it actually holds... it, it was kind of like it's like they they tried like two or three times to get out, yeah. and the speedwell kept having problems. And and this is kind of it, it. It's significant that it happened this way because these people who are on the Mayflower had been on the Mayflower since the beginning of, tr- of of multiple attempts to get out and having to come back. And it's not like they come back and everybody goes back on land and waits while they make repairs. They're on the ship the entire time. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. But they finally decide they're going to leave this uh, speed well. Uh, some of them, there's not enough room for all of them to get on the Mayflower. So you've got... Uh, According to records, there's 102 of them plus the crew. That's who yeah. set sail for America, including uh, 102 Bradford and his regular wife. people, not soldiers. Right, regular people. They're just. Oh, by the way, they want a new life. <laughs> the the yep. company, the colony in Virginia, uh, they had permission to land there. The company that they had gotten permission from was called the Company of Merchant Adventurers. Oh yeah. Well, then who was this Virginia? Land, who is that? I don't know. They are someone. I'll find yeah, out. We'll have, we'll have to update our uh, yeah yeah thing next, okay. next week. Um, but anyway, so yeah, 102 okay. people, regular Joes. These are yeah. families too. Not these aren't men who are like. It, it's not like once the new world was established and you've got the stories of of the immigrant fathers. Hey, I'm going to go to the New World once I'm set up there. I'll send for you. It wasn't like that. These are right. the whole families. Right. Except for Bradford and his wife. They did leave their son. Mm, mm-hmm. A okay. couple of them, a couple of times here and there, you know, people did things like that. But, um, you know, they wanted to fit as many people as they could to start this colony into this boat. Mm-hmm. And they packed them in pretty tight. And... um it's kind of a miserable trip, but they do make, I think only one person died on that trip. Um, and there's the story of John, I don't know if this is Howland or Holland. He's uh, on the deck and he falls off. Oh. And he grabs onto a rope as uh, as he's falling. It's kind of like a trailing rope trailing behind the ship, but he grabs it. Mm-hmm. And 
eventually they get him back and he goes on to have a family and now apparently it's a pretty famous family there's over two million descendants of this guy uh including fdr and uh the george bushes all descendants of john howland there's a children's book out there about that um anyway i think they only lose one person on the way over um but once they get to land, uh, most of the people have scurvy, and most of them are pretty sick. Uh, they get to land on November 9th, 1620. Uh, we're in Ohio, and this is even north of Ohio. November in that part of the world is cold as hell. Yeah, yeah. So they arrived at not a good time. Usually, you, when on something like that, you, you want to arrive in time to plant so mm-hmm. that you'll have enough food and stuff over the winter. But yeah. they're arriving mm-hmm. during the winter after a trip that we they were kind of not well supplied to begin with. Right. Um, weakened. Yeah. In fact, just, uh, just because of the delays, they were already concerned about supplies. And I think several times there were talks of mutiny. Uh but that never really developed into anything uh, because the, uh, the, the passengers desperately wanted to get to this new land. They wanted to start their colony. And in their minds, this is like a pilgrimage. That's why they're mm-hmm. pilgrims. They're going oh, right, to start right. a new religious colony. Um, so they get there. Um, before they leave, they sign the Mayflower con- uh, Compact. And... Remember, not all of these people are there for religion. There was a certain number of them. There were some uh, indentured servants. There were some other families who just wanted to get to the New World. Um, But as they're talking about leaving the ship, they're all talking about, uh, you know what, we should mention here that when they arrived, they were off uh, by 200 miles to the north. Yeah, they, they they intended to arrive in Virginia, and they arrived at what Cape Cod or something like that. Um, right, and this this kind of presented a problem for them because their ship had a charter under the. Um, I think this is where that that Virginia company comes in, but 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 it, they didn't have permission to just go do where they wanted to go you know right. they, they that's 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 kind of the significance of the mayflower compact is that they had to say okay the the people who you know uh from whom we have permission to be on this ship and and from whom we receive the purpose of the ship are no longer here we can't communicate them we've got to come up with something right and i i guess a lot of them were talking about see they they had tried to sail down uh, south in order to find that place, but the, right. the captain finally said, no, this is too dangerous. We're going to sink. So mm-hmm. he goes back up to Cape Cod and anchors there. And they signed the Mayflower Compact. Uh, also to keep everyone together. They didn't want everyone wandering off by themselves. They wanted to establish some kind of order to what they were doing. Um the people who signed were agreeing to be ruled by an electric, an elected leader, uh, who was with John Carver, I think was the first governor. 
um, the compact mentions that the authority of the compact is the consent of the people being governed. Right. And it mentions the monarch, you know, the king, I, th- I think it was King James back in England, as being their leader, but also mentions that there are certain cases where you break with your king, but there's never a case where you break with the consent of those being governed. That kind always of, has to be the rule. It's like the Mayfair Compact was was a a like a um a proto declaration of independence right. and constitution. It it's it's uh right. right. It, it it's interesting. They also agree on some of the, the how they're going to run the community, um, which is actually specified by the investors, by the, mm-hmm. the ones who, I guess, owned the Mayflower. They had said you're going to – and it was basically what the Puritans thought the original Christians did. Okay. We're move and I in. think that's that's what the, the Virginia Land Company is. I think that's the company that owned the Mayflower. Okay. And the but the the uh, colony that they were that they intended to reach was a colony that was I don't know if owned is the right word but but associated with this uh, merchant adventurers okay. company like the London Merchant Adventurers or whatever. Well, basically, they're going to practice socialism, um, and they all agree to this, and so they get off and start to explore. Uh, they mm-hmm. make three trips, exploration trips, to figure out where they're going to go, what they're going to do. On the first one, they find some corn that would, had been buried, and uh, they took half of that, which, you know, they were starving. So they took half this corn that they found. Uh, the second trip, they find some graves, and among the graves, and these are obvious Indian graves, among them, they found... Uh, what appeared to be white men. I mean, there, there were, it was a man and a child with blonde hair. Uh, even though they were, they had been dressed as Indians, but it, as far as they could tell, these were white men. Uh, and they thought that was unusual. And finally, they find this abandoned village. And now we're going back to that village that had been wiped out by the plague, uh, Patuxet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and they decide this is where we're going to start. Um, again, uh, the only survivor from that village is Squanto, who is now living with another group of uh, Wampanoags. Uh, also during that that final uh, expedition, Bradford's wife dies. I think she, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, he doesn't talk much about it, but through other journals we found out she had fallen off the ship because the decks were icy. Uh, I mean, for all we know, she could have jumped. She, could, I mean, it is pretty desperate there. They're, they weren't in a good situation. When you think about the fact that when you look at at that area, you get off the ship and get to land, you've got miles of sand dunes. You have very little soil that's that you can grow anything in. There's not a whole lot of trees at first. Um, it doesn't look like a good spot to start a farm. And besides the fact that it's November, you're not going to plan anything yet. But they go ahead and decide this is where we're going to go. Uh, They start building a common house there. 
and for the for that winter, many of the people stayed on the Mayflower, uh, and they kind of used it as a hospital slash hospice. Um, and by the end of that first winter, fifty percent of them are dead. And this is only a hundred people to start with, hundred two people to plus right. crew, plus crew. So I mean, it so might be like basically one hundred fifty like people. people. Yeah. yeah. And maybe some of the crew decided to stay with him. I don't know. I imagine some of the crew is dead. By the way, you said that that uh, I'm just. I want to keep people grounded here. Um, that Paltuxet village is is where the people from the Mayflower found the stores of of corn and that kind of stuff. Not necessarily. I don't know oh, if okay. it is or not. That was, well, I was just no, measuring. no. They did not That's find like, the stores of corn there. Okay, because that's like 40 miles inland from, like, Plymouth. Is it? Yeah. Okay. No, that is not where they found it. They found uh, several mounds. One of them, they thought, this might be a grave, and they abandoned. They stopped digging. And then Mm -hmm. another one, they continued, and they found this corn. Okay, so this was probably all within within a few miles of Plymouth, probably. Right. Um. But they start their, uh, they start building structures. They start, uh, and I think at the end, they do make contact with the uh, Wampanoag, who, uh, because of Squanto being able to speak English, are able to communicate with them pretty well. Um, and they make peace with uh, the chief, Massasoit. Mm hmm. Um, the Massasoits are thinking this is going to make a good ally against the Spanish. Oh, okay. Against the other Indians. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're thinking this is a pretty good alliance. We need to develop this. So we've got a peaceful situation here. The Mayflower finally on April 5th, uh, 1621, the, the spring of the following year, the Mayflower leaves. Uh, and it's pretty empty. Mm-hmm. You know, the investors back in Europe are thinking it's going to return full of gold or something. But oh, okay. Yeah, that's why they invested. Yeah. Right. So um, at some point, uh, the governor, what was his name? John John Carver dies. Uh, he comes in from the field with a fever. He dies, and they elect uh, William Bradford as the new governor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to uh, November of 1621. They've been in there an entire year. They've the got a pretty back. good harvest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Winter's coming back. They've got a pretty good harvest. You know, it's not like they're rich, but compared to last year, they're not yeah. going to starve to death. Um, uh, they decide to hold this great big feast. Um, I don't think it's a feast where they announced it to anyone, but they've got... They've just got their harvest, and they've got a lot, and they decide to have they say, kind of a party. Might have been kind harvest of season's in, over. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Massasoit shows up with ninety Braves, and they go out and they get five deer to join in the feast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lasts three days. Bradford doesn't ever make mention of this. We know this happened because of Edward Winslow, Winslow uh, in one of his journals. Okay. And it lasts for three days. I think that's why we have it on Thursday. Oh, Thursday, Thursday Friday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday and then the Sunday's the time. Sabbath. Okay. Right. 
it makes sense to me anyway. Yeah, but that it, does it make was sense. a three day feast where they played a lot of games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it's like a few days later, another ship arrives. They haven't seen another white man since they left like a year ago, uh, a right. year and a half ago. And the ship arrives. It's got 35 more people. Um, only 35. No supplies. What, plus yeah, crew? Yeah, only 35, but no supplies. Oh, mm-hmm. Well, other than oh. the crew. Right, okay. So 35 They're dropping off passengers. 35 more settlers. Got it, okay. And they also get a, a complaint letter from uh, uh, West... Uh, Weston asking why the Mayflower was empty. So, oh, yeah. Where's my gold? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he... So, they 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 put some beaver pelts and a few, some lumber, stuff like that, on the on the uh, the Fortune was the name of the ship. Right. Um, and then send it off. Fortune I think is eventually attacked by pirates, and oh. so... When it finally gets back to Europe, it's once again completely empty. Um, the fir- 35 new recruits, most of them were not Puritans. And William Bradford's kind of having a hard time with this because mm-hmm. his idea was to start this religious community. He wanted a city on a hill kind of thing. Yeah, and it's just not turning out that way. And so, whatever. Uh Things kind of go on, and they keep planting and harvesting. Three more ships come from uh, Weston. He sends three more ships full of people, most of which are not Puritan. Um, so it's nice to have the hands for labor, but but when you're trying to start a religious community, you're, you're getting swamped out by people who, who aren't on board with that. Right, right. And what's more... Uh, Bradford's kind of noticing something. Uh, these young men who probably could accomplish most of the work are sitting around doing nothing. Oh. And they're complaining because why should I work for this guy's uh, wife and kids? Uh, why shouldn't I just take care of myself? And he's just noticing that not a lot of work is being done. At mm-hmm. the end of uh, 1622... By then, three more ships have arrived, and their crops are not a whole lot bigger than they were in 1621. Because the new people aren't pitching in. Right. I mean, they could clear more land, they could plant more crops, but they're not. Not only is there no reason to, but they don't even have that religious drive to be a Mm -hmm. part of the community. Right. Um, I guess there were some differences of opinion, maybe some um, political battles but finally, some of them break off and go up north. I think it was something like 30 miles up north. And they start a sister colony. Uh, they name it Weston Colony. Um, I think some people refer to it as Wasagusset. But this is, I guess, Weston is thinking if they start a whole new colony that's only there to get rich then he'll get more out of his investment. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's not really working because also at the beginning of 1960 or 1623, aside from them breaking off to this new colony, James Bradford decides it's time for a change. And he doesn't like the amount of work being done. 
He doesn't like people sponging off each other. And he doesn't like some of these people doing all the work and hardly getting anything out of it. So, he divides the land by family, by person. And he says, from here on in, whatever you plant, whatever you farm, you keep. Mm -hmm. If you fish, whatever you fish, you keep. There's no more common store. You're kind of on your own to make your own food. This is a huge deal. They, they're, they're, uh, harvest from that year was like triple what it was the year before. Oh, wow. And he just, talks just... about the fact that all these people who used to sit around and talk Sponge. about how, yeah, they were sponges and they're all working now because they all know that whatever they make is theirs mm-hmm. and they're not going to get any more if they don't make it. So they have to make it. Uh, this is the, this is the introduction of capitalism to America. This is what most people consider the introduction of capitalism. Yeah. And it, it's just wildly, uh, it was a successful. Resounding success in its intended, uh, yeah, effects. Right. Meanwhile, up north, the Western colony, um, they set up a fort, but they didn't plant any, plant any food. And uh, by the winter of 1623, they're starving. So let me, can, can we go back and, and clarify, the people who went north, uh, what, what, did, was it more like the people who went north were non-Puritans, or was it like a mix, like some Puritans went north and, and some Puritans stayed, and some non-Puritans went north and some non-Puritans stayed, or... or I mean, what kind of dividing... Uh... I don't know about that. I, I'm i going to kind of assume that the Puritans stayed there and maybe some other people stayed there and the mm-hmm. people who went north were not Puritans. Okay. I think that's what happened. Um, the thing is, by the, time, by the time winter comes, they have no food. Yeah. Um, they, they stole some from the Plymouth colonists. Mm-hmm. And the Plymouth colonists found them and had them whipped and then threw them out. Mm-hmm. Um, then they stole some from the Wasagusets. Indians. Okay. Not the Wasagussets. The- from the... Hold on a second. I can't remember if they stole it from the Wampanoags or the uh, Narragansetts. Okay. I think they stole it from the Narragansetts. Oh, which um, which they would have. That they was would the have controlling thought, tribe. Okay, and they would have thought, oh, these, you know, these white men—they're in league with the the uh, uh, Wampanoags or whatever, and and. I think I don't know, but they did know that they're stealing our food. They must be weak, and they recognized oh. how weak they were. Okay, so they were they were a little bit more savvy than just angry. Yeah, they're thinking we're going to take them. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's how do we set this story up? Um, the Narragansett chief comes in to confront them, and uh, Pratt. Oh, okay, Phineas Pratt. Phineas Pratt uh, is kind of the governor or mayor there in this new Western colony. Um, And the chief of the, 
I don't know if this is the Narragansetts, Narragansetts or the Massachusetts Indians, but it's one of those two, and they come in to confront uh, Phineas Pratt, and they say, you stole our corn. Phineas Pratt says, no, I didn't steal it. It was only one man who stole from your corn, and he says, I'll hand the man over to you, and you can do whatever you want with him. Well, the chief says, look, that's not how it works. You're in charge of these people. Then if they do something, you punish your people. You don't give them to us to punish them. It's your guy. You punish him. And he says, if one of your men steals from us, then you all stole from us. That's what you got to understand. Your whole colony is going to be uh, judged as thieves for stealing our corn. They don't uh, do anything right then. They leave the colony. But from then on, all of the colonists there are scared to go outside their colony. They had built this fort, but they're scared to go outside the fort because they think the Indians are there waiting for them to kill them. And I think the Indians are kind of starving them out. And I believe it is the Massachusetts. Um, Meanwhile, Massasoit is sick and he's dying. And Bradford sends uh, this. This Edward is the Winslow. chief of the the Wampanoag chief, right? The Wampanoag okay. chief, a different set of Indians, is dying, and Bradford sends Edward Winslow to see if he can help him. Mm-hmm. Edward Winslow is somehow able to nurse him back to health. So Massasoit, in gratitude, lets him in on what's going on. The Massachusetts want to attack. The Western uh, colony, the, but yeah, the fort. They're afraid that the Plymouth colony will take revenge, and so their plan is to attack both the Plymouth colony and the Western colony at the same time. Oh, okay. Now Bradford knows that's what the plan is. Uh, Pratt is trapped in his colony, and he wants to warn Plymouth and ask for help. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of the other colonists will dare to go outside the colony because they to think they're deliver be a message or anything. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, Pratt goes out and pretends he's going to go gather nuts and berries or whatever, and he walks all the way back to the Plymouth colony. Uh, apparently, it's like thirty they miles. Say it's thirty miles. It's snow. It's cold, mm-hmm. and he's miserable. Yeah. And he's almost starving anyway because they had no food. He makes it to uh, Plymouth and he tells Ed or uh, he tells uh, James Bradford what's happening. Not James Bradford. He tells William Bradford what's going on. Mm-hmm. And William Bradford has just heard it from Massasoit that the Massachusetts are going to attack them both. So uh, Bradford sends Miles Standish. Uh, he's one of the colonists there, and he's kind of a military commander. Mm-hmm. And he's been advising uh, Bradford this entire time on military matters. So Bradford sends Miles Standish and a few men back with Pratt all the way up to Weston Colony, and they ask to meet with the Massachusetts to talk about trading. Okay. So the so, Massachusetts... Uh, they're asking for a parlay. In, yeah. And the Massachusetts send in their chiefs. I think it was like seven chiefs. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Miles Standish kills them all. Oh, wow. And then he brings the head of their main chief back to Plymouth with him, and they hang it on the wall mm-hmm. of the Plymouth colony. And after that, the Massachusetts, the Narragansetts, and the Wampanoags are all afraid to attack either one of the uh, colonies. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that that is how sense. William Bradford makes sure that none of these Indians are going to attack them, at least for the next several years. Yeah. Um, eventually, but memories fade, so that can only last for a few years. Right. Right. Um, but for now, first of all, they've got this thriving colony. And uh, remember that corn they had found? Yeah, the stored okay. corn, the, the yeah. mounds. Mm-hmm. They repaid that. Oh, They okay. asked Massasoit, who did we steal this from? And then they repay it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they begin to repay their investors back in Europe. And okay. By then people are hearing so, but about they're, the success. Like, what are they, they, I mean, obviously, you know, these these aren't. This isn't gold area. This is in like pelts and stuff. Mostly pelts. I think they would trade the corn or whatever they had, whatever they developed out of their uh, uh, colony, with the other Indians and with the other colonies. Okay. And then eventually obtain beaver fur, and that's what they would send back. And they right. pay the the fully invested amount. Mm-hmm. Although that company had kind of gone bankrupt. <laughs> a little bit too late so, then. <laughs> yeah, but they do pay it. Um, okay, okay. Uh, Weston gets his money's worth, put it that way. Right. Uh, the The Weston colony eventually fails, and they all come back to Plymouth. Uh, William Bradford gives them each another... Grew, uh, gives them each some land, like he mm-hmm. did the original P- Plymouth colony, and, and it's under uh, the same, uh, yeah, under the same you know, rules. understanding as everybody else. Yeah, you you got to work for what's yours. Yeah, some of those actually sail back to Europe, mm-hmm. but uh, the rest is kind of history because the colony just just started growing, and they started making money, and more and more people in Europe who there there was a time people would be hesitant to come to the new world because they look at Jamestown, most of the people are dying. But they look at Plymouth. Plymouth, and and they're thriving. Yeah, and that is the first English colony. So let me me ask this. Back that that very first year, okay, they they nearly, I mean, half of them died off over the first winter. And then spring comes, and okay, they've got to figure out what to do. Uh, they meet these Wampanoag Indians. Um, the um, uh, what'd you say his name was? The Indian uh, who Squant- Squanto. 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 Okay. Squanto. Yeah. So, um, and and obviously these Indian tribes, they knew something about uh, either farming or at least gathering. And and if it's corn, I have to imagine yeah. that it was like farming. They they, they didn't just yeah, rely on volunteer. Farm. Uh, so, so knowing what crops grew and what kind of land they grew and that kind of, it seems to me that, that the friendship between the pilgrim, the first pilgrims 
and these Wampanoag Indians was kind of critical to the ultimate survival of that colony. Certainly. And that's the... That situation is what you hear in all of the history books, and that's probably why I just skipped right over it, because as I'm researching this stuff, I find things that I wasn't told, and I get excited about them, and then I forget to tell you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the Spanto way. Spanto shows them, this is how you plant corn in this sandy soil, which doesn't hold any moisture and doesn't hold any nutrients. You bury mm-hmm. a fish with each plant. You know, things oh, wow. like that. Stuff like that. Okay. Um, so, but here's the thing. The, all of this was able to occur because Squanto spent time in Europe. Uh, possibly. I mean, uh, the, let's see, the, the first Indian that meets with the pilgrims is, uh, I, I want to say Somerset. Okay. Uh, let me, let me look this up. I wrote it down in my notes, and then I forgot to put it in my uh, outline. Uh, Samoset, yeah. Yeah, first first Indian to make contract with the pilgrims of the colony. Okay. He seems to be able to communicate. He greeted a them in English, bit. though. It, it yeah, says he, he began he by walking in. Now, how was he able to speak English? Was it because of other white men in the area, or was it because I, of? think it was probably because of Squanto. Of Squanto, exactly. See, that's my point. I mean, it you almost have to see uh even if it was a um even if it was a a improper act on those who took Squanto back to Europe. Right. You almost have to see the providential hand of God in how it all played out. Right. And and it's I, not I, I even if you want to sit call it improper, I mean the Indians were trying to capture slaves from the Europeans and vice versa. It's just well, yeah, how the yeah. relationship that's, that's works. Kind of how it worked. Right. Exactly. Um, that's... But yeah, Squanto goes all the way to Europe and he's, uh, he's smart enough to know how to win his friend. I don't know if he escapes or if he buys his freedom or something like that, but he does eventually become free. And then he has, he obtains employment as a shipbuilder mm-hmm. where there's right. even a trade involved. And then eventually somehow gets back to America. I don't know right. how that happens, right. but he's, he's no idiot, you know, and, and he goes through all of that and probably thinks now I can die with my own people and be happy. But the story's just beginning for him because he becomes one of the key players in the beginning of this country. Oh, Danny's away from his computer again. He walked away. He thought I'd be talking for a while. But uh, it occurred to me that the real story here is capitalism. Because we we started with socialism, communism, whatever you want to call it. It was a commune of people. And they all put whatever they made, whether it's fishing or hunting or farming, they all put it in the common store. And then they all got out of it. And they kind of existed that way. But it wasn't until he divided up the land and told everybody, you do what you want. If you farm, go ahead and farm. And then uh, if, if, if you want to trade with someone who hunts, that's fine. I imagine there were some things like that where a hunter might say, hey, 
I'll get the meat for your family. You go ahead and plant yeah, uh, give me the corn, corn on my yeah. land, and right. we'll kind of there were alliances set up, but it was it was the idea of each man fending for himself. That's how the best outcome uh, was produced. Right, right, and and allowing them to figure out on their own whatever divisions of labor, uh, you know, w- would work yeah. out for them. Yeah, they didn't have to be told. Um, and you know, meanwhile, you've got places like Jamestown. Uh, I think in 1623 they were attacked by Indians. Uh, 347 colonists were killed. I don't know how many were there at that time. There may have been like a thousand. Mm-hmm. But even then, they're still not doing well. The only right. reason they have money is because they figured out how to plant uh, tobacco. And they were selling Oh, that okay. I think the Spanish kind of had a uh, had a patent on that. They mm-hmm. It was kind of a secret crop for them. And they were making all the money off it. Uh, what happened was a Spanish ship wrecked in, somewhere in the Caribbean. And on this little island, the... The survivors of the ship planted tobacco on the island, and then they leave or they die or something. Years later, the English land here, and he finds these wild tobacco plants, and he takes some of the seeds, and he eventually ends up at Jamestown where he plants them and starts a tobacco uh, crop. And by the end of the first few years, everybody's growing tobacco because that's what's selling. Right. So in the south, you've got tobacco being grown by the colonists. In the north, mostly, I, you've got a lot of different things coming into this. But in the start, it was beaver pelts. Um, mm-hmm. That Iroquois na- of Confederacy, um, that's mostly what they traded. And by, you know, by the time we get close to, say, like the French-Indian Wars, um the beaver population is almost gone, or at least it's not what it used to be. You can't make money by hunting beaver the way you could have at one time. Oh, okay. Because okay. the Indians there have depleted the population so much. Mm-hmm. I'm debating here whether or not we do a whole one on the French-Indian War or just kind of combine that with the Revolution. Uh, but well, that's our next we podcast. Can, yeah, I we think. can figure. That. I was going to say that that so so the American Revolution. Um, could be the next podcast. Um, in but our leading our up to that is the series. French Indian War. Yeah. That so so do we do it as a lead up or do we do it as a separate uh, podcast? I have to see um, see how much information we find and stuff. And how? Yeah. The the French Indian War is difficult because it was really kind of a number of wars all grouped together over a course of like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the alliances between the French, the Spanish, and the English, and the Indians, and the colonists kind of went back and forth several times. Different tribes were, uh, were, were joining with different colony groups and or English groups. It, it, it's, not, it's not one of those wars where you can pick one side and say this is this people and this is that people. Yeah, yeah, it's it, these against those and uh it's kind well, of a know, weird war. Maybe what we ought to do is is go ahead and and um f- plan on fleshing it out completely to to give a sense of, you know, 
a decade of, of what it was like being in the colonies. Yeah. And if it, if it turns out that we've covered all of that part of it in a half hour, we go on right into the American revolution. If, if yeah. it takes up an hour to do that, then that's our podcast next time. And even the American revolution, I, I'm kind of thinking of dividing that up into sections. <laughs> that uh, could be. Yeah. The first one, there's being, a lot to uh, say about that. Lexington and Concord and maybe the next battle after that before we get to things like uh, uh, what was George Washington's fort that oh uh, Valley Forge yeah Valley Forge because it's almost a whole different story there anyway that is our podcast on uh, Plymouth and yeah the first colony in America the first and, American yeah colony like in like you said I mean the you know, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a miracle that it not only survived right. but ultimately thrived. I mean, yeah, and it, <laughs> it could have gone bad at so many different times. I mean, just think if if the original Puritan uh, separatists had managed to uh, you know accomplish their their religious community or or felt like they were successful in their religious community in Holland. They never would have come to America. Or right. imagine if they had gotten absorbed so much into, um, you know, the, the city of Amsterdam and the surrounding areas that they ended up just giving up on their project. Right. I mean, there's so many things that could have happened along the way to Plymouth Colony becoming a reality and ultimately becoming, uh, you know the the they became the, the uh, leverage for point English of, colonies. Yeah, that, that's another yeah. part of it. Is that um, it's not just other a colonies colony when that, they came to be started, where they were told to kind of mimic what they had done in Plymouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can't I I don't I think I can't remember if it, if it was the companies that were sending people the colonists. Or if it was actually like the king himself the, the, who was yeah. saying, all right, look at what they're doing in Plymouth and you might kind of copy that. Not in an order to copy it, but he was an advisor for most of the other colonies in the beginning. William mm-hmm. Bradford was. I see. Right. So I think that takes us into, I think eventually we're going to separate these this portion of the podcast and, and create like a nice little series that people can download. Yeah, but that would be neat. Until we do that, we still got current events. It's just the podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> we won't uh, deviate right from our normal uh, format. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, this is kind of... I don't quite understand this one. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services removes protections against discrimination within Obamacare for transgender people and women seeking abortions. Does that make sense to you? Um, it says, Today the U.S. Yeah. Department of Health and Human Services finalized a rule that maintains vigorous enforcement of federal civil rights laws on the basis of race, color, national organ, disability, age, sex, and restores the rule of law by revising certain provisions that go beyond the plain meaning of the law as enacted by Congress. 
The final rule will also relieve the American people of approximately $2.9 billion in undue and ineffective regulatory burdens over five years. Congress prohibited covered health care programs or activities from discriminating on certain grounds protected by longstanding federal civil rights statutes. One of those federal statutes is Title IX, prohibiting discrimination on the basis of sex in certain federally funded programs. In 2016, the previous administration, this is like before the election of Trump, issued a regulation implementing section th- this section that redefined sex discrimination to include termination of pregnancy. Okay, so discriminating against women seeking abortion is going to be illegal under Obama's uh, implementation of this section because they call that sex discrimination. Or discriminating against people, uh, you know, to force, forcing people to interact Live with your company according to their sex is illegal under Obama's interpretation of that rule because he's calling it, he's defining that as sex discrimination. Uh, What um, DHHS did is unroll Obama's ridiculous interpretations of Section 1557. Okay. Then right after that, the same week, the Supreme Court... uh, Decides uh, on, uh, let's see, Bostock versus Clayton County, Mm -hmm. uh, ruling that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibits employment discrimination against individuals based on their sexual orientation or and or gender identity. So you've got kind of a good a good ruling by the Department of Health and Human Services, which rarely happens. (laughs) <laughs> and this rotten ruling from the Supreme Followed Court. Followed by the Supreme Court, yeah, absurdity. Um, from an which a, a conservative's majority. Supposedly a conservative this. majority court. Well, it's, you know, it, it it's the uh, um, it's the reality that, that you know, the, I, I don't know what it is either. You know, it's not like these justices have to, you know, seek ongoing approval or re-election or anything like that. Right. Um, I gotta wonder if they're scared though. Of what? I, I mean, do you I, remember I, last year uh, there was a senator standing out on the uh, outside of a courthouse, uh, declaring that they would go after Supreme Court justices who ruled uh, uh, against liberals. Do oh, really? That? It was about a year no, ago. I don't. I don't remember. It, it was that. a very clear threat against Supreme Court justices. And, and this was a senator, like a state it. senator or a yes. yeah. federal? I can't remember who it was, but it was it was a big deal. Everybody talked about it, but nobody did anything about it. Holy cow. Sh- Schumer? Is that who you're talking about? Justice Schumer. Yeah, I think I've got it a was. story where he where he denies threatening Supreme Court justices, but he says, I shouldn't have used the words I did. He's abortion rights rally outside of the Supreme Court on Wednesday. He's... Okay, this is, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. won't know what hit them if they vote to uphold abortion restrictions, but insisted that wasn't a threat. Okay, you're right. Yeah, you've got U.S., you've got senators, Senate Minority Leader Schumer, you've got senators threatening Supreme Court justices, and... And nobody like, did yeah, anything like you about said, it. nobody does anything about it. it. You know, I mean, it's a vague enough threat that you can't charge him with assault or anything like that. But, 
but still, um, something could have come. Why wasn't there a, a bigger backlash? Um, yeah, yeah, that's so a good point. It makes me wonder if that's what's behind some of this. Yeah, On but top you know of that, what? It, this it, is it, a fight against evil, and this yeah. is how it goes. Well, that's my point. I mean, you know, the 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 uh, the Supreme Court is not our savior, um, and even Donald Trump. As as much good as he's doing is not our savior. Jesus is our savior, um, and we'll we will be disappointed in various ways with everyone that we look to other than Christ. Right. Um, so yeah, I get it. You that's... know the the one thing that comes out of this week because I I know I myself was uh, I felt almost uh, almost like giving up. Like yeah, um, it, it's depressing seeing all these things happen and you start to think even Donald Trump he's there's no way he can win if he does win he's they're going to go right over him nothing's going to change but despite that whether things change or not it's our duty as Christians to fight this and mm-hmm. you have to keep fighting including yeah, going to a, as long as there's someone that we can vote for then we have to go vote this isn't yeah. like before when 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 there wasn't anybody to vote for because electing a Republican was the same as electing a Democrat. Right now, this man is fighting. We have to vote for him and vote for everyone who will support him. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Trump, by the way, announces that uh, he's going to have a MAGA rally to be held on June 19th. Hey, that's today, isn't it? No, it, it was no, going to be June minute. 19th, and he's he, he switched he's it to tomorrow. rescheduled it to June 20th, so yeah, it's tomorrow. in uh, Tulsa. Right. If I remember by the way, right, did, yeah. you know why he rescheduled it, right? Uh, hold on. Criticized because 19th is Juneteenth, which is the day... Slavery basically was eliminated in America. Uh, it was uh, like the last state to declare its end of slavery. Did you know? Right. Had you ever heard the, the? Did you ever hear the, the term Juneteenth before this month yeah. in your life? No, not in my life. I've never heard it. Me neither. But now I know what it is. Yeah. Well, I people don't are getting know all if over. It was really, a word. I, I I'm kind of questioning whether it was a word before this year. People are getting all over Trump for not knowing Juneteenth. It's like, yeah. what? Seriously? I Well, maybe we can find some old documents that actually say Juneteenth. Juneteenth. I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard of it until, you know. Oh. And the only reason I knew it is because I saw, all oh, Trump moved his thing to so that it wouldn't hit Juneteenth. I don't know, what the heck is Juneteenth? So, uh, okay, whatever. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a good day to celebrate, but, but nobody's ever heard of it of that. So, Whether anyway. Why not? I, I don't know. So, so Trump I, I, moved his, his rally and he is like got so many people going to it and trying to go to it. I mean, it is just like eight eight hundred thousand wildly popular right now. Right at first, eight hundred thousand people tried to get tickets there. Yeah, um, and the thing only holds twenty thousand people. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like come on, you know it. But it shows you that the 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 country is way more um, alert. To right. the reality of what's going on, than the liberal Democrats would like to think. Despite everything you hear in the media, all is not lost, oh. and way more than the 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 news uh, outlets would like to think too. Yeah, exactly. Right. 
Yeah. Um, so there was the uh, Richard Brooks death, and uh, they set fire to the Wendy's where that happened. I, they try to compare it to George Floyd, but it's just not the same. Uh, police officers tell this uh, black man who had fallen asleep at a drive-thru to pull over. We're going to talk to you. He pulls yeah, over. Yeah, got to make sure he's not drunk or something. Yeah. So they pull, they get him pulled over and they start talking to him. They realize he is drunk. He, uh, he fails the breathalyzer. So they said, uh, look, let's put your hands behind you. I'm going to put these cuffs on you. And the guy mm-hmm. goes nuts. He grabs a, uh, taser from one of the, uh, officers. And I don't know if he shot anyone with it or not, but, um, he has it and he's pointing it at someone. One of the other cops shoots him. Mm-hmm. Now, the prosecutor um, who arrested the cop who shot him said that this was, you did not need deadly force. He wasn't going to kill anyone. The problem is, once he tases someone, he can do whatever he wants to him and he could kill him. Yeah. And he had already tried to get their gun, so they know he's dangerous. Second mm-hmm. of all, that same prosecutor had prosecuted a cop two weeks before that for using uh, deadly force against someone he had tased. Okay, so if the taser is deadly force, then it's deadly force. You can't have it both right. ways. All right. right. So, so this, <clears throat> it, it, the whole, the whole deal down there is sour. I mean, so what city is this in? This is in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, so... It's a bad uh, situation, and uh, Atlanta is quickly becoming another city without a police force. Yeah, so logic does not rule the day in Atlanta. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, the the, uh, Seattle thing is still happening. Um, There are... I don't know what's going to happen. I thought Trump would come in and, and, and... set things right. The problem is Trump's got generals who are openly defying him. Yeah, that's that's a sad thing. But you know the thing is it's it's not up to Trump to do that until the state asks for it, but it is up to the governor to do something about it. And it what's most he certainly is. Yeah, I, I don't think he's doing anything. Uh, the governor, I guess he thinks uh, that He'll be reelected if he it'll wind itself out or something. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, it's uh, so. Uh, but but didn't protest. they change their name? They they changed it because they, they don't want to be called an autonomous zone. They just want yeah, to be called a uh, uh, was, like a pro, I don't know a, a protest zone or something like that. I, I forget what the yeah, it's some open protest is is from Chaz to Chop. Yeah. Now it's Chop. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> but. It's still the same thing. It's still a bunch of people who have uh, somehow just uh, kicked out all law and order. And it's yeah. just a, a chaos zone. Um, there are protests planned in London by, by Black Lives Matter, but they're canceled because counter-protesters show up. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, Interesting. So they're, they're not all brave yeah. when there's a little bit of resistance. Uh, let's see. So there's more COVID. I don't know why anybody's... They're, they're trying to act like opening the beaches in Florida caused a whole bunch of COVID-19 deaths. But I, I'm not even 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's a Black Lives Matter activist. I don't even know how to say this name. Aluetoyan Salau is found dead in Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. Uh, after going missing on July, on June 6th. Um, okay. Shortly before her disappearance, she had tweeted that she had been sexually assaulted by a black man. By a black man? Yeah. So. That's all we know about it right now. Okay, uh, so black on black crime. Treated as a homicide. Yeah. Mm hmm. Right. Um, China and India are starting to fight. And, and I think it's back when I talked about this uh, area in the Himalayas. They're, mm-hmm. they're fighting over uh, that area there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then the North and South Korea are talking about... I, I think Getting North, into it? There was some kind of... Uh, I don't know what you would call it. An embassy or something in North Korea. And they burned it down. Um, and there's they're just kind of talking at each other right now. Um, not Kim Jong Un. He's not the one talking. His sister is the one talking. Oh, okay. No kidding. So people are starting to wonder if maybe he's not he's dead in existence anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Either dead uh, or, or incapacitated yeah. somehow. Huh. Oh, okay. There's also the uh, the Supreme Court uh, overruling Trump's uh, DACA. Um, oh man, yeah. I mean, talk two bad rulings back to back. I don't know if it's yeah. there may have been some intervening rulings. I don't know, but but it, it's it, like this makes it, no sense whatsoever. Okay, and it's, here's actually here's there's three because there's one for the Second Amendment too. Oh, was there? I and thought I they just refused it, to hear the case. Maybe that was it. That, Which that's is right. still they bad to hear a case because it lets bad local law stand. Right. And it, but, it's almost like the 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 conservative judges are taking turns at being the good guy slash bad guy. You know? Yeah. They're Except, just making sure that the bad guys win and they don't want not one of them wants to take all the heat for being a liberal judge, so they're kind of taking turns at this. Except for Clarence Thomas. Yeah, except for the He's he's like the rock. <laughs> Yeah, of the Supreme Court right now. And he, man, he's got the rock of of logic. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna hate losing him. He's the one yep. that we can definitely count on. Yeah, he was like Scalia. Right. Uh, that's about it. I mean, every there's a lot of weird stuff going on, but it, you know, these things happen. Like Facebook removed a post condemning Antifa from Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And they said they're removing it because the post symbol kind of resembles one of a Nazi symbols. And it, little things like that, it's like... The post symbol. You can argue these things, but this isn't... It's not even worth arguing these things anymore. Yeah. Uh, it, this is bad guys against good guys. That's all this is. It's all that's, it's come down that's to. That's what it's come down to. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's so predictable who's going to be on what side. And, you know, the, the, the bad guys are the ones consistently who are uh, out to destroy Christianity and to subvert society from following Christian morals. I mean, that's what it boils right. down to. Right. We don't have to argue about DACA 
or about the other ruling with the uh, the uh, transgenders. It doesn't matter anymore. This is just these are the two sides fighting, and I I, I just don't even care about convincing anyone yeah. anymore because there's nothing to convince. And the we bad know there's side, a good side and a bad side who are in league against Christianity happen to also be the side who consistently abandons logic and reality in right. what they do and say. Right. And it's uh, against Christianity and against America. Yeah. That's that. That's all I got on current events. Okay. So I got some nonsense going on. So um, good. It's just, but the thing is, it's some of it's related to current events, but uh, I'll yeah. lead with this. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's people out there who decide um, that they want to be vegetarian. <clears throat> you know, some people uh, decide that they want to become vegetarian or vegan and they struggle with it. I guess giving up meat is, uh, I don't know, maybe like giving up smoking or something like that because... A professor at Oxford University has come up with a bacon patch for vegans struggling to stay meat-free. I guess this is kind of like a nicotine a patch. A bacon patch? Yeah. So so here's the, the concept behind it. When you're feeling that twinge of desiring meat, it's like a scratch and sniff. You scratch it, and it gives off a smell of bacon. And the smell yeah. of bacon is supposed to... Uh, allow you to allow your body to think that it's gotten what it needs out of the meat so that you no longer have the craving. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. That is what the theory is behind the patch. Have you ever smelled bacon and then thought, oh, that was good. Okay, that was great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Never. <laughs> no, you smell bacon and you're like, oh, I got to get some bacon. Okay, now I got to get bacon. <laughs> that's just outright silly Uh, it is it is well you know he's a professor of experimental psychology at oxford university i don't know i keep you know i keep going back to what can you expect from a country where you need to have a license to watch tv yeah okay or what can you expect from a vegetarian (laughs) what can you expect from vegans too Well, or who knows? Maybe maybe I've got it all wrong on both fronts here. Maybe what's really going on is that this guy's laughing into his shirt sleeve at vegans because of Oh, this yeah. Thing. These people will buy anything. Exactly. What am I going to sell them next? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the... Cool. You remember the um, Malcolm in the Middle when... Uh, uh, what's his name was going vegetarian, but he couldn't stand it. So he had like bacon tucked up into his hat and stuff so he could sneak bites. He wanted to impress Hold a girl. On. So he was, huh? Uh, Malcolm was doing this or was it? No, Reese no, 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 no. It, it was Reese. Crazy. Reese was going, Reese, Reese was going vegetarian to impress a girl, but he couldn't stand it. So he would, he tucked bacon up into his hat so he could sneak yep. bites of it once in a while. And I mean, it turned into a real mess being chased by dogs and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Are you sure it was in his hat? I think at least parts of it were. I mean, he had all kinds of places that he'd, he'd put little okay. pieces of meat I'm going to have to look this stuff. one up and watch Yeah, you got to look that up. Reese becomes okay. a vegetarian. Anyway. 
That's that. Okay, so second nonsense, and this is this isn't like as as funny, but it's still nonsense. So, you know the Aunt Jemima um, pancake and, oh, and pancake yeah. syrup thing. Okay, you know what's going on with those. So all these brands that feature black people as their, um, I don't know, icon, whatever. Right. They're saying, oh, we can't do that anymore. We got to get rid of the. Okay, so Aunt Jemima, uh, the the people who are in charge of the product, Aunt Jemima, decided, yep. Okay, it's racist for us to have Aunt Jemima on there. We got to change it, get rid of it. We're going to roll out a new branding in the fall. Okay, if you want to change your branding, that's fine. But if you're going to come up and call your current branding racist and then say, but we're going to leave it on the shelves and wait till fall to come out with the new one, there's a disconnect there. Yeah. Because if I'm doing something overtly racist, I, I put an end to it now. Yeah, you just stop and say, all right, no more Aunt Jemima. <laughs> exactly. So oh. apparently, I mean, they're calling it racist, uh, but apparently, uh, you know, for a price, you can get away with a little bit of racism, according to I, PepsiCo, at least, who owns the Aunt Jemima brand. PepsiCo? I thought it was, uh, oh, I thought it was that cereal company. Are you sure uh, PepsiCo? Well, it, it, it's um, it's Quaker who is a subsidiary yeah, of of PepsiCo. Okay, I didn't know that. So, well, I'm, I don't buy a lot of uh, Quaker anyway. I do buy uh, General Mills. But did right. you Aunt Jemima the the model for Aunt Jemima, Aunt Jemima herself uh, was a huge advocate for uh, former slaves and the poor blacks. So it's like, yeah, I mean, th- this is the she equivalent of of tearing down the statue of the guy that, that was, uh, I forget the guy's name, that or defacing the statue of, of the guy who was, he was like abolitionist like 30 years before right. everybody else was or so, you know, and yeah. so his statue's down there and, and they're like, putting a noose around his neck and stuff. That, that's kind of like the equivalent of this, except she's also a black woman. Yeah. She's, so, uh, I, I mean, I don't understand why they're not putting her up more and saying, yeah. look how great. So, hey, look, I mean, we got a, mm-hmm, exactly. Is it because it sounds too homey? Is that what we're fighting? Uh, Hominess? Maybe, or? maybe that's it. it you know, the, I don't know. Is there something it, wrong with a black person being also down to earth and, I don't know. I, I don't understand cook. what their problem. What's racist about here's, Aunt here's Jemima? Here's the other thing. It, you've got Aunt Jemima. They're also doing the same thing with Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben's rice. Oh, are they? You know, he's black. Have you ever, like, seen Uncle Ben's rice as anything other than, hey, here's a guy that, that figured out how to make really good rice? Yeah, and actually, <laughs> um, I specifically get uncle ben rice when i can afford it it's more expensive than most of the other rices but yeah. it's better mm-hmm. like i'm not talking about the the little packages where they have different types of mixes but if right. we'll go to gfs and buy a giant bag of uncle ben's rice i am the, telling the you real it's the best you rice up. you can yeah. get it's just plain rice that's it but so, it's great it doesn't stick it doesn't it's not half hard and half soft Things yeah. like that. It's good rice. So Uncle it's Ben a is shame out. That they're doing it. I don't. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be Uncle Ben, but Uncle Ben is white now, or I, I don't know how they're going to do it. But it's they get, be... so I mean, 
So what is the messaging here? That black people don't know anything about food, so we got to get them all off of our food labels? I mean, that's what I I'm hearing. That's what it is. And I, what about, I don't I've get seen it. Mrs. Butterworth, and she's gone too. But I, think, I think she's gone too. I thought she was white. Oh, do you? I really did. I thought she was. I always imagined Who her could white. know? She's, she's syrup colored. Huh? Yeah, well, syrup color, but when Maybe you hear she her is. talk on the... Oh, that's right. She does sound white. She's got, she sounds white. Are they are they getting rid of her? It, that, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Gosh. This whole thing is so It's crazy. so stupid. Okay. So anyway. F- final nonsense. <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> so, so somebody uh, put up some recreational ropes in Oakland. The city of Oakland, uh, California. Recreational ropes, like yeah, for exercise, on? exercise and, and entertainment, swinging on and stuff like that. Okay. And, and you know, they had some hand loops for handholds and stuff like that. The Oakland yeah, Police okay. Department found the ropes attached to trees, and because they had loops in them, thought they were meant to look like nooses. So they, so they got the FBI. Huh? They got the well, they got the FBI involved in a uh, investigation of hate crimes. Because of these ropes. Now, some guy said, said, oh yeah, I put those up a few months ago for exercise. Uh, even after they knew the story, they are coming out with the stupidest quotes. Uh, the Oakland Police Department, this is a direct quote, and the city of Oakland recognize, especially at this time, that any ropes on or attached to trees, limbs, or other objects can be associated with hate crimes and racial violence. As a department and city, we understand the historical and harmful associations when ropes are hung from trees. And do they honestly think and that how the people impact are that fragile? can harm our communities? We remind and ask our community to be mindful when using this equipment in a recreational manner. How stupid! This has got to be driving black people crazy. Reports like, what that do you these... think we are? Why do you think we're this stupid? <laughs> Reports that these were part of exercise equipment do not remove nor excuse their torturous and terrorizing effects. Torturous? Huh. <laughs> did they? So did they take them down? I suppose they must have taken them down. Yeah, the evidence, the the it evidence, has been turned over evidence. to the has been turned over to the FBI. And I want to be clear that regardless of the intentions of whoever put the nooses, they're calling them nooses even though they they're weren't. calling it a noose now. In our public trees, in our sacred public space here in Oakland, intentions don't matter. Wow. <laughs> whoever Jeez did Louise. the act should be found and held responsible and prosecuted to the highest extent of the law. It's like the city of Oakland wants to make itself a laughing stock. I guess so. And they're just they're swing ropes. It's just so stupid now. It's not even funny anymore sometimes. It's just stupid. Yeah. Uh, Did you you see that, that video clip that CNN put out? About the little white kid running oh, away yeah. from the black kid. <laughs> and somebody put it out as like like a... Um... <laughs> no, it was a black kid running away from a white kid, wasn't it? 
It's I a, like know. baby baby running Originally, running CNN away from racists. Originally, CNN made it look like races running from each other because they're oh. scared or something to their moms. Well, it's it's just like it was it was like I don't even think CNN did. I think somebody like found it and said, "Oh, this is funny. This would be like CNN showing like like racism among babies," and they put it out as though CNN was doing that. And then CNN had to go out on this all, this great big oh, this is a modified content, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought CNN had actually done it. <laughs> well, see, that's the other thing. You wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, you would. E- even though it was meant. As as a joke and and uh, hold on a second, hold on. Mm-hmm. What I saw the CNN. Post. You saw the CNN post and they they were uh, posting it as racism. Yeah, and that he would regret that. Uh, we got to look that up. I'm gonna have to look that yeah, up we'll and bring clarity up. next week. But uh, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, I, somebody. Yeah, I, I don't get it. it. It's like our news sources like CNN today. Yeah, you. You can't it's even. It's no count more. Them. You don't have to. You don't have to argue about this stuff anymore. That's one thing that came out of this. That's we true. We have a clear battle line, and yeah. and we know which side who's on. Mm-hmm. And it's we don't have to. There's no reason to try to convince anyone. If you're really that stupid, where you think this stuff is racism, yeah, you don't think it's, that. You're just right. looking it's, for excuses to be angry. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and by the way, uh, not I don't have a news, any kind of news sighting for this, but my brother-in-law told me about a um, a uh, protester that used a skateboard. Uh, he, you know, had a skateboard, and there was a guy driving a, um, I don't know, like a like a Mercedes or or a BMW or something like that. Yeah. Uh, he uh, maybe maybe some kind of SUV or something. Anyway, he took a skateboard and, and whacked it against the side of it. Yeah. So the guy stopped, got out, beat the crap out of the protester, sent him crawling away, and got back in and drove off. Now, here's the message that I would like people to receive. If you want police, then when somebody, when you swing your skateboard and pound it on my car, I can call the police and they can put you in handcuffs. If you don't want police, then the option is that I get out of my car and pound the crap out of you. Yeah. That's it. So. That's that's a policeless society, guys. I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think this is going to continue to get worse. I don't, I don't even know why they're saying these things anymore. Why are they coming up with, re, do they think they're going to convince anyone with these yeah. things like, uh, I, I'm, again, I think we're drawing battle lines now, and you'll notice so too. that on the left, every battle line kind of revolves around abortion. Mm-hmm. And it's come up to any. If it's on the left, I know it's wrong because I know they're for abortion, and I know yeah. everything ends up being about abortion. Right. And uh, I mean. Someone listening to us for the first time might think, well, that's a dumb thing to say. Uh, but go back and listen we've to illustrated it we've, over we've, and over again. We've drawn the lines. Yeah. You, know, and, you know, Black Lives Matter is about abortion. Antifa is yeah. about abortion. Uh, it's you know, always. Open Borders is about abortion, believe it or not. Right. Uh, homosexual rights is about abortion. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. It, it's If it's on the left, it's about abortion, and you know it's wrong. That... And, and 
you know what the frustrating thing is 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 how clueless the American Catholic bishops are about that. Yeah, it's a shame. And and how I mean they're they're a bunch of tools being used yeah. by the left because of it's, I don't know the, the, some some weird it's like they do everything they can to to curry the favor of those who are absolutely opposed to Christianity. And in the meantime, they're throwing to the wolves the you know, their true flock. Yeah. It's like they're opening the gate and letting the wolves in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, eat my sheep. Eat my sheep. That's, exactly. That's what they're it doing. It's terrible. Yeah. It's just I mean, there terrible. are a few, uh, you know, examples, you know, kind of shining examples otherwise out Vigano. there. Very, very few. Yeah, Vigano. I, yeah. Speaking um, of which, I forgot to put that in the news. Oh. Vigano sent that letter to Trump. To, yeah, that's right. That's right. And it was a darn good letter. And mm-hmm. Trump tweeted it um and if you want a realistic look at what's going on in the church and in america go find that letter from vigano that trump tweeted yeah it how that how they relate to each other Mm -hmm. it kind of points out the battle lines that we were just now talking about yeah exactly uh you got anything else nope that's it Okay, folks. Well, think about what we said. And as always, circle (laughs) the beats. And uh, we'll see you next week. I think next week, are we going to do St. Francis? Or are we going with history again? Is it? No, no, no. This uh, next week is the last week of a month, and and I don't I don't know if we announced to people we're gonna start doing a saint uh, on the last week of each month. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. do Saint Francis next week. Okay, we'll talk about Saint Francis next week. And All right, we will see you then. Bye, guys.